Hello, I'm Dan Kritzke, and this week we're going to look at the fourth issue of Green Lantern Mosaic, the John Stewart solo series from 1992. Uh, this one was a refreshing change of pace, which is weird to say, considering how early into it we still are. Uh, but this issue isn't about John. It's not. The main character is... You know, I hesitate to say there even is a main character, okay? I know who they want me to say the main character is, but this issue really isn't about anyone in particular. It's... It's about the two extremes you can go to living in the mosaic. I extremely introverted or excitedly extroverted. And we focus on the human communities taken from Earth. And the parents, the parents in those households have basically almost forced themselves into being agoraphobic. They don't leave their homes, <laughs> for one, and they retreat into their own imaginations, which is fine. I mean, who of us doesn't do that? But they're using it not so much as an escape from reality, but as a replacement for it. You know, they they pretend like everything is normal, like it's like they're still on Earth. And when they can't do that, they full on get drunk on fantasy and watch and rewatch and overwatch the same episodes of the same TV shows over and over and over again. And then after a while, they just start acting them out from memory. They assign parts. It's like a play, except I don't know where the line is really between we know this is us play-acting, and we think this is us, you know? But the, the focal point for their delusion is a set of VHS tapes of Father Knows Best, which was a radio show in the 40s that got turned into a TV show in the 50s. And from what I can gather, it was basically a sitcom about a dad who ruled over his pretty stupid children. So they didn't just pick an old TV show. They picked an old one about parents who have their shit together. It is what is in their minds as the classic ideal situation that they want to go back to. Because I mean, even in real life, people romanticize kind of that era of American culture, you know? Like, like the Leave it to Beaver happy days times where everything was simple, there was no huge problems. The biggest issue you have is 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 will there be fish in the fishing hole today and can Fonzie fix the jukebox by hitting it? You know. Uh, anyway, I shouldn't record these so early in the morning. Um, uh, you, you can also read into it an interesting bit of commentary here about the role of TV in a household. I mean, the classic argument against TV is that too much is bad for you, you know, as seen here, but it's usually portrayed as negative towards kids. And you've got the whole stereotype of TV raising kids or being a substitute babysitter. But here it's all on the parents. And in fact, the kids very openly oppose doing what their parents are doing, and instead they try like hell to get away from it. Um, this is actually the first issue of this book that feels dated to me. Up to now it's been general enough, removed from Earth culture enough, that it had a feel that I don't want to call timeless, but you know what I mean? Uh, but as soon as you see the children, it felt 90s. Especially the character Frankie, who I mentioned before about being the main character you follow through the issue. 
uh, you get a very typical 90s grunge vibe off of him. You know, with the ripped jeans and the open button-down shirt over his t-shirt and the extreme haircut that covers part of his face but not the other half of his face. I mean, not that this is a bad thing. You know, as comic fans, we tend to think of the 90s as almost a world unto itself. So taking a chunk of the 90s and sticking it on the mosaic seems kind of appropriate, actually. <laughs> uh, but the kids, they are the polar opposite of their parents in that they want to get out there and explore and see the new world and all this weird stuff basically just because it's there. It's portrayed as this perfect mix of youthful rebellion and the best part of humanity, our unending desire to figure out the unknown. And they don't really specify, but I don't think any of these kids are older than 13, maybe 14, and they certainly seem to act around that age. But there's this certain sense of invincibility that they can go bounding off into the night and handle anything, even though they themselves are are probably the most vulnerable things on this entire planet after dark. And then there's Sean Stewart, the supporting character in his own book. Actually, I want to amend that to guest star because he feels more like a get uh, a walk on cameo guest star, like you would have in an old sitcom, maybe like Father Knows Best. Who knows? Aside from bailing the kids out of danger twice, his main function in this issue is to be a source of inspiration for the kids. You know, Frankie himself seems to admire John. He's the only adult they know who doesn't sink into their own delusions, and instead heads out into the dark every single night to see what there is to see and do what there is to be done all over this strange planet. And that has a tremendous impact on these kids. That's what they want to do. That's what they want to be like. So, in typical Crazy John fashion, he gives them all rings. Yep. Four 13-ish year olds with power rings. That's <laughs> awesome. They only use them at night when their parents are either asleep or distracted by TV. And they do say in here at the end the rings are more limited than John's, though we really don't know in what way yet, or what that means. I mean, I'm right now going off just this issue, I'm presuming that, okay, they can fly, and they can, they have protective auras that'll, you know, it'll, it'll save them in the environment and shield them from harm, but I'm, I'm hoping they can't make constructs and shoot deadly laser beams, but yeah, we'll see. Um, but at the end of the day, literally, the kids now have a way to see the world. And that is what the issue is about. Seeing the world, getting out of your house, turning off the TV, and just going and seeing what the world you live in has to offer you. So yeah, this was nice. This is actually, this is really good. And it works as a single standalone issue too. So if you've been listening along and you don't really, you're not really on board with the, uh, with the psychedelic, insane John Stewart stuff where you just dig deeper and deeper into his psyche to the point of trying to sift through metaphysical insight, then I would say go for this issue, issue four. This is... No, this is really good. And I'm also, I'm starting to come around on Cully Hamner's artwork, too. I, he's still not... He's still not an artist I would look for, or he wouldn't make me buy a book yet. I have a feeling that'll change, but 
there are two splash pages in here that I think exemplify, exemplify the good and bad about this guy's work. The first is on page nine. It has page numbers. Old comics are amazing. Page nine. It's the first time John shows up in this book. The kids are, they're on their first excursion out into the night. And they're about to get just killed by this giant pink creature. And then you turn the page and John shows up and he just clocks it in the face with a giant green fist. And this page, it's just, it's just so dynamic. And it's, it's put, it, it's a single panel, it's a splash page, massive sound effect, it's a, it's a interesting perspective. Like you feel the punch, you know. Like this looks, this is it's a very. I mean, let's be serious. By this point, I've seen billions of splash pages of a superhero showing up on the scene and punching the bad guy in the face, and there are a dime a dozen. Half of them are just kind of placeholders that you say, "Oh, okay, that's cool," and you move on. This one, this was really really good. Like, I might scan this and put this in the talkback thread on the boards. Like, the, like this is the kind of page that makes me appreciate Kali Hamner as an artist. You give me more of this, then my, my opinion will probably completely change about him by the end of this series. On the flip side, and okay, this isn't exactly a full page spread, but it's close. Page 18 has, I should have mentioned, one of the things the kids find when they're exploring is a city of nothing but kids. It's a, it's a super advanced, it appears to be this super advanced city of, of just children. There's no adults in it. We don't really know. Presumably they came from a planet of no adults. And they're, they're just flying around this futuristic city on flying sleds and jetpacks. And they have these buildings that look kind of like opera houses. And they're just shooting lasers everywhere and it's a good time. This is... Such a visually unimpressive image, you cannot believe it. Like this, like this is supposed to be something that the main kids we're following are just awestruck by. Like they even talk about how maybe, maybe these people let us stay here. Maybe we can leave our parents forever. And and you know, looking at this the way it's the way it's represented, don't really get why they would want to stay. Other than hey, maybe I can get a rocket sled, but. I don't know. It's, it seems like this might be the last page in the book Kali Hamner drew as the deadline was getting closer, <laughs> but, but you know, what can you do? Ups and downs, they have them. And yeah, okay, so that's issue four. Very refreshing, very refreshing. This, this broke the trend of being so Jon Stewart-centric that you didn't really see much of the mosaic itself. You know, our our knowledge of the mosaic and our, the visual language of the mosaic was being built up subtly in the backgrounds of panels for the last several issues. But now a chunk of it was put into the forefront and all of a sudden Jon Stewart became the background entity. So this is good. I hope we see more of this. I hope we see issues from, from the perspective of other other races in this world. You know? That initial four-issue story I looked at in the first episode of this there there were species in there that have not been represented in this series yet so and it's it's some known species too i think tomari's race is in there i forget their name off the top of my head now i want to say on gardens but that's that's wrong <laughs> anyway good issue pick it up find it in back issue bins can't possibly be expensive at all 
and from the look of the back of the book there's not any letters yet but the next issue blurb advertises John Stewart versus Hal Jordan in quote a fight that could only happen on mosaic I am expecting some trippy shit as always let me hear your thoughts and read your thoughts not in the super awesome mind meldy way but you know write them into your computer and put them in front of me on thecomicforums.com under L for Lanterncast scroll down it's alphabetical or email me at dan at lanterncast.com or just the show in general at lanterncast at gmail.com we're on iTunes we have a website lanterncast.com and we have a Facebook page just go to Facebook and find us nothing special type in there um yeah okay see you next week